Oh, for our guests who are here, if this is your very first time, uh, my name's Ted Wilson. I am uh, a bench warmer uh, coming in uh, off to help out just a little bit. Pastor Jared is on some much needed rest, so we certainly want to pray for our pastor as he is out and again for our guests. Now you've just got a great excuse to come back again because next week we'll have Brother Keith Manry who will be bringing in the message. And then uh, Pastor Jared will be here, uh, but since he's on vacation, uh, he found it best not to plan a sermon during vacation. And I think we would all agree that it was a good thing for his family. All right. So with that, as we uh, open up our book to Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22, is where we're going to begin at. It is that passage that makes you go, hmm, what is going to come out of this boy's mouth today? And part of that sermon preparation, of course, is a, what I would consider, you know, an important part is a title for this message. So this morning, we're simply going to be submitting to each other in Christ. Submitting to each other in Christ. Now, I will tell you, I did not begin with this title. I was thinking it through. I was looking at the scriptures, and the first thing I thought was, go fix my dinner, woman. You know, I... And, and, and then Brenda just sort of looked at me and shook her head, and, and, and then she left the room. And I'm like, whoa, I've done it now. And then she comes back in a few minutes later, and she has a t-shirt that belongs to me. And the t-shirt says simply this, that I often wear is, I don't always listen to my wife, but when I do, things turn out better. <laughs> Uh, thank you, honey, for buying me that shirt. <laughs> I also have another shirt that she bought me that says, I am the husband of an outstanding wife. And yes, she bought me this t-shirt. <laughs> All right. So with that, again, guests, please come back next week. Let's get into some serious business now. We simply cannot be afraid of what's in the scriptures. We can encounter a scripture that we don't like. We can encounter a scripture that we are like, mm, I don't know what's going on here, God. But there's no way that we can just simply skip over it because we disagree with God's word. And this is something that I absolutely love about our pastor, is that he does not delineate from the scriptures. When he starts a book, He's going to go through that entire book and not skip over any hard lessons that need to be taken on. And for that, I am greatly, greatly appreciative for. We have to study hard those scriptures, and they certainly can make us uncomfortable. But our lives are certainly one that must be lived out in accordance with the proper understanding of scripture. It's not what I want it to be of the Scriptures. It's not what you want it to be of the Scriptures. It is simply accept God's Word for what it is. And we can do none other than that. Now, too often, I will admit to you that there are evil people out there in the world that distort God's Word. And people have suffered because of that. And that is going to be a part of this message here this morning. When you get to a word like submit or subject, depending upon what translation you have, people just don't like a word like that. They don't like to submit to other people's authority. They don't like to be subject to other people's orders. Now, I'm a little biased. I am a military guy. I have been wearing the uniform for 28 and a half years. 
So there is this little piece of good order and discipline that is ingrained in my body. And I love the military life. The scriptures, though, go even above and beyond what we can instill as far as the military when it comes to discipline. And we need to discipline ourselves in the scriptures. So when we start getting into these verses this morning, I want everybody to hear my voice right here at the beginning, that there is no superiority of one gender or the other. There is no inferiority of one gender or the other. God loves man. God loves woman. He created them both. We are equal in his eyes. But there are these aspects of different roles and different responsibilities that the scriptures lay out for us. Pastor Jared set me up really good last week, ending up with verse 21 in Ephesians uh, chapter 5. And he talked about submitting to one another in the fear of God. This aspect of mutual submission is the foundation of the examples that I'm going to use here out of the scriptures this morning. That aspect of submitting to one another or mutual submission and how that works in different types of relationships. The admonition certainly was in a total contrast to what Paul was encountering in his world at that day and time. And quite honestly, it is an admonition to us because it is contrary to what the world teaches to us today also. Paul was very concerned about the impression that Christians would have as witnesses upon all people. Whether it be within the family or outside of the family. We are to be a living testimony for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul is going to point out to us in these scriptures that we all need to consider the needs of others before our own self-interest. So with that, would you bow with me in prayer and ask God's blessings upon our time here this morning. Almighty and gracious God, Lord, we come humbling ourselves before you. But God, we come at the same time running to you because we know that we are safe and secure in your arms. And Father God, as the one who creates us, as the one who sustains us, as the one who redeems us, God, Lord, we know that we can count on your word to be what is best for our lives. Your teachings far, far above that of man are superior. And Lord, as Christ submitted to you, at the cross, we also submit our lives to you as we live them out day by day. And we pray this in the blessed and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Alrighty. This is where it gets fun. <laughs> Very first thing that I want us to take a look at is marital relationships. Marital relationships. We're going to talk about wives and we're going to talk about husbands. Super simple outline. So, open up your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 22 through 33. We're going to go ahead and take on this whole thing right now. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just 
as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Verse 31, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to the wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. As there was order in creation, and as there is order in nature, God wants order for us as well. And that certainly needs to be seen in the family. And at the head of that family is the husband and the wife. That is the unit that is working so cohesively, so closely together that they are of one accord in carrying out the work of the family. Husbands and wives, as we learned about last week, need to be walking in the Spirit of the Lord. And when, if the husband or if the wife stumbles or trips up and is not walking in the Spirit of the Lord, that is when we encounter problems inside the family. So verse 22, right off the bat, let's take it on. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The first thing that we need to take a look at is why would Paul even say something like that? Think about the audience that he is talking to. This is first century Rome. Wives were already subject to their husbands in totality. No issues, no questions, no ifs, ands, or buts. Wives in the culture, in the context of that day and time, in the Roman Empire, husbands ruled over all. So why is it that Paul would even approach this subject of wives submitting to the, the husband? It would almost seem obvious, but it's not. But it's not. You see, we got to think about why Paul is saying all of this. He's not simply repeating something that is already known, but he is stating something that which is new. And most notably, that new piece is the freedom that people can find in Christ by submitting to him. You see, there is an order and there is a, if you will, an organizational hierarchy. If we did not have some sort of structure within the family or even within government or in business or in the military or whatever the case may be, we would have absolute chaos. There would be despotism that runs amok. So Paul was saying, hey, this may be what you're used to, but I want you to think about it in a new way. You are free in Christ. Just as Jesus willingly submitted to the will of the Father, your primary concern, wives, is to submit to the will of the Father as well in Christ Jesus. And the will is, guess what? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. 
as to the Lord. So how is it that we know that we are doing this? You've got to study Scripture. You've got to spend time seeking God in prayer. Seeking out His will. Obeying His Spirit. Maturing day after day, month after month, year after year in our Christian walk. These are the things that Paul says, hey, you may think this is some sort of ordinary thing that I'm talking to you about, but there is a new way of looking at this. And it is through the eyes of Jesus Christ as a believer in Him. This is not just old school Roman rule. This is still an organizational hierarchy. This is still structure within the family. And this is the way that God has designed it. Now, ladies... This does not in any shape, way, or form mean that you are subservient to your husband. It does not mean that you are subservient and must do every single thing that your husband says. Woman, go fix my dinner. That's not the case. If your husband says something to you like, hey, I need you to go lie. I need you to go cheat. I need you to go steal. Do something along those lines. You have absolute authority to say no to that. Because then your husband is wanting you to commit a sin. And you can stand on God's word and say no in that regard. But, what if there is a particular disagreement on a particular subject? Most oftentimes, I have found as a counselor, it's about money. It's about finances. It's about family. It's about business, job, all sorts of things, but primarily it's about finances and family. So what if there is a decision that a husband and a wife simply cannot come to terms on? And they both say that we're walking in the Lord. They're both spending time in prayer. They prayed through it. The husband sees something one way. The wife sees something some, some other way. In the end, the decision is on the husband. In the end, the decision is on the husband. And no, God's standards are not out of date. Taking it directly from God's word. If, if you don't have a godly husband, well, how does this work? Maybe you are, quote-unquote, unequally yoked. You're in a marriage where the husband is not a Christian, and you are a Christian. Do I still have to do what he says? The answer is yes, as long as he is not provoking you to sin. There's a different reason that we see in the totality of scriptures. Paul does not address it here, but I want to go ahead and throw out a couple of little things. Over in 1 Peter chapter 3, write this down. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1, it tells us this. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. So the message is the same, whether it be from Peter or whether it be from Paul. If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the, by the behavior of their wives. Wives, speaking to you directly, that may have a non-Christian husband. God has placed you there. And God wants you to love on your husband. God wants you to pray for your husband. Why? That you might win him over for the Lord. Now, we know it's the work of the Holy Spirit. But you are that chosen vessel that God has put in front of him. 
that he pretty much has to stumble over you to enter into the gates of hell. And sometimes men will stumble. And they will go throughout a marriage and not commit their lives to Christ. That is not on you in the least. Your job is simply to pray and to be that witness for him. Also, if you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write down 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll take a look at that later on tonight and talk more about this. We simply don't have time to get into all of these things this morning. Am I sweating yet? All right. Nobody's throwing anything at me, so I guess I'm okay for now. But now we get to move to the second one. Husbands, it's your time now. Verses 25 through 33. Husbands, you need to listen up. Paul has a whole lot more to say to you than he did for the ladies. It's about three times as much if you take a look at it. And quite honestly, uh, the severity of it is that much greater as well. Verse 25, it tells us there, leading off, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. I think all of us in here recognize that Christ loved the church to the extent that he sacrificed himself for the church. An old Methodist theologian by the name of Max Dunn put it this way. He said, married love looks like the cross. Married love looks like the cross. I tell you what, when I encountered that the other day in preparation for this sermon, I had to sit and dwell on that. Because you think about the cross, and you think about, quite honestly, the ugliness of the cross is the first thing that comes to my mind. Jesus hanging there, beaten and bloodied. But you see, the cross didn't stay that way. The cross became a remembrance symbol. We have it here and our little icons up on the wall. You see, we know that Jesus arose from the dead. It was not the end of the story. The Christian home is a microcosm of that relationship between, between Christ and his church. Husbands, I think all of us in here would simply say that, yes, we are willing to die for our lives. If it was to put my life on the line for my wife, I absolutely would. I don't think any husband in here would argue the same thing. That is your job, that is your role, that is your duty, is to protect your wife. And if Christ loved the church to the point of sacrificing himself for it, then men, we need to sacrifice ourselves for our wives if it come to it. And if we are willing to do the most greatest sacrifice that we know that we can do, then why is it that we cannot sacrifice the little things in life? Think about all those little compromises sometimes that your wife asks you to do. She needs a favor. She needs help. She's at her wit's end. Get your tail end off the couch. Can I get an amen, ladies? All the men will be meeting me in the parking lot after this, I know. <laughs> do you get the picture I'm trying to paint for you? If we say that we are willing to sacrifice who we are as a person and commit that ultimate sacrifice for our wife, that's fine and dandy. But sometimes our wives just want smaller sacrifices from us. They want a little bit more of our time. They want a little bit more of our energy. 
And yeah, we may be tired from a long day's work, but we have got to dig deep and we've got to deliver what our wives need because that's what God has called us to do. Amen? Men, I better hear an amen from you too. Now, I will tell you this. Men, it is not about throwing your weight around and bossing others. Simply put, headship does not equate to dictatorship. And that has been taken out of context by so many people, even in old school churches this day. They think that the man says something and it goes no matter what. No, the Bible does not teach it in that regard. You see, we are submitting one to another. That's the context. Remember, going back to verse 21, that's what brought us into these three examples that we're going to talk about today, is that mutual submission. And the first example is simply this between husbands and wives. Why do we do this for our wives? Why is this so important for the husbands to be the spiritual lead, to be the spiritual head of the household? We find our answers in verses 26 and 27, which Brother John MacArthur calls a purifying type of love. Let me read 26 and 27 again. This is why that we need to love our wives. Because, and again, this is the relationship that uh, Paul is painting between the church and Christ. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that, that she should be homely, holy and without blemish. Husbands, that is our role, is to help lead, guide, and direct our, our wives. It is on us. And so many times in the church, I can remember even as a kid, and I can see it today too many times, you've got ladies coming to the church without their husbands. Or the husbands that do show up come begrudgingly because their wife nags them to come to church. Husbands, we have to step up our game because that's what God wants us to do. Verse 28 I want to try to bring this out a little bit more for the men in the audience. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. The man who loves his wife is showing love to himself. Now you say, well, Ted, that sounds a little bit funny. Uh, can you explain that to me better? Thank you for asking. Yes, I will. Think about this, men. Why would you do anything to harm yourself. It just makes no sense. Why would you do anything to harm yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Why would you want to harm yourself? It makes no sense. So men, if your wife has a need, she has a physical need, she has an emotional need, she has a relationship need, whatever the case may be, we are the one to deliver her. Because if you are not helping her, you are not helping yourself. If you are not helping your wife, husbands, you are not helping yourself. The end of verse 31 there simply tells us up that they are one flesh. And that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. And then over into the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 19, it says, What God has joined together, let no man separate. You see, marriages 
are special to God. And they need to be special to us. And I know that so many in a congregation of this size, you have had those experiences of divorce. Sometimes it might have been multiple times. Was that part of God's plan? I can't say that it is because we know that God hates divorce. But that is why it's so important for wherever you are at right now, you get it right this time. Do not dishonor God again by having to go through a divorce. That is not what God wants for us. Going back to verse 21, subject yourselves to one another as in the fear and reverence of the Lord. Verse 33, and I'm going to tell you a story on me. It says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Brenda and I, we've been married for 28 and a half years. <laughs> I, had to make, I did my math before I came in today just to make sure I got that right. Yeah, it's easy, though, because we got married right before I came on active duty. So ever how long I've been in the military, that's how long I've been married. As soon as I retire, I am hosed. <laughs> okay, we did not always have it the best. There were certain times that she and I would go at it. Now, it wasn't a knockdown, drag-out fight or anything along those lines. But it bothered me. It bothered me. What? I had seen the way that my parents grew up. Brenda had seen the way that her parents grew up. You all probably had seen the way that your parents grew up. And there are going to be those times and there's going to be those issues where there is contention within the family unit, especially between a husband and a wife. So I simply had to go to God in prayer about this. And it was really a hard thing. And again, I'm talking early on in our marriage because it was clicking well, but I wanted it to click on all cylinders. We were only clicking on maybe six of the eight cylinders, seven sometimes if we got lucky. I wanted eight cylinders, baby. You know, pedal to the metal type of marriage. I wanted us to be thriving, not just surviving in our marriage. So I had to go to God in prayer. I said, God, am I partially to blame for this? God said, Ted, I didn't say partially. What did I have to do? As a husband, I had to step up my game. Husbands, I implore you today, if you've got situations going on in your marriage, step up your game in the name of the Lord. All righty. How much time we got here? We're done with the first one. No spears, no darts, and the men are meeting me in the parking lot afterwards. Got it. All right, for all the kids in the audience, are you with me, kids? All right. Do you like it when I talk about your mom and dad and sort of talk tough to them, right? Yeah, it's your time now, so pay attention. <laughs> the second thing that we're talking about here this morning after a marital relationship is a filial relationship. Filial is just a fancy word meaning of or pertaining to children. I needed something that ended in L for the, the outline to rhyme. Marital, filial, and you can guess what the next one is going to be. So read with me now, going into uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The great theologian Warden Wearsby, in his commentary, put a little comical but sad twist upon verse 1 there. And he put it this way, Parents, obey your children, for this will keep them happy and bring peace in the home. Unfortunately, we know that it's simply not godly, and he was making fun of circumstances. And that's the sad part, because there are many homes out there that are run in this manner where the kids run roughshod all over their parents. That is not the hierarchy. That is not the structure which God has mandated for the family. So children, the very first thing that we see there in verse 3, obey. Simply put, disobedience is sin. Disobedience to your mama, disobedience to your daddy is a sin. You need to be doing what they need to say. Now, in the same way that we talked about with the wives, if mom or dad tells you to lie, cheat, steal, do something illegal, immoral, unethical, whatever the case may be, then you can tell them no, and you say, Preacher Ted said so. And then they can come and talk to me. Parents, do not dare tempt your children with sin, because that's going to be on you later on. Simply put, We need to listen to our moms and dads. And oh, by the way, that means for us that are a little bit older and more mature that still have our parents with us. We don't always see eye to eye. We have our own lives to live. But we still have to honor our father and honor our mother. This is coming directly out of the fifth commandment over in Exodus chapter 20 where it says honor your parents. Honor means to obey, respect, love, care, whatever the case may be. So why, kids, do you need to listen to your parents? Number one, because they're old, okay? Your parents are old. Don't let them tell tell you otherwise. Your parents are just old. They're like ancient of days. What that basically means is they've been around a really, really, really long time. That means they have a lot of life experiences. They have probably done some of the things that you've done, messed up. Yeah, don't talk to them about that. Let them talk to you about that. Kids, listen to your parents. They have an abundance of life experiences. And your parents, your mamas, and your daddies love you. They are concerned about you. They care for you. And they don't want you to make some of the same dangerous mistakes that they made as well. Why is this so important? Everybody, think about the changing values of our society that we've got going on. Generation upon generation is being lost as we grow farther and farther away from God. It is so imperative for our young children to be trained up in the way of the Lord. Verse 4. Again, it highlights fathers. Now, there's some application to mothers there. But Paul specifically talks about fathers because the importance of that role of the fathers in the family. says what? Do not provoke your children to anger. Dads, moms, we need to be encouraging to our children. 
that can be downright aggravating sometimes. I don't think any of us have any questions about that, that our kids can drive us absolutely crazy sometimes. And there are certain times that we do need to discipline our kids. But man, maybe all our kids want is a little bit more attention. And we don't think that we've got the energy to do that. Another little story on us. There was a, a time when, when Danny was a lot smaller. And uh, the job that I was in, uh, even as a chaplain, was a rather physically demanding type of job. Uh, spent most of my days outside in the desert of uh, Nevada. Uh, doing some training missions. Uh, and, and I would come home. I, I, I'm like sunburned. I'm drained. I am weak. I am tired. I just want to vegetate on that couch just a little bit longer. Got two kiddos. They need their daddy. Dad, let's play. Uh, I don't want to play. I want to sleep. I want to take a nap. Dad, let's play. Dig down deep, gentlemen. Dig down deep. Roll off the couch into the floor. Sometimes that's all it takes, and just let your kids climb all over you. And they're perfectly fine with that. You don't have to do anything except for lay there and let them crawl all over the top of you. You can lay down with a little hot wheel car. Make your kids day. Make your kids day. That's when they're little. When they're a little bit older, you might have to actually get up off the couch and do something for them. That means you might have to go outside and play ball with them. That means you may have to go play T-set with them. I've done that numerous times as a daddy of a daughter. But you've got to do it. You've got to dig deep. When you are so physically tired, maybe emotionally tired too, you have a responsibility to your kids. And think about this. Again, why was Paul talking about this? Why does he say children obey your parents in the same way just earlier he was talking about with the wives? The kids already knew they had to obey their parents in that day and time. He brought it back to the scriptures. It wasn't just about what they were experiencing. It's what they should be experiencing in Christ. That is the huge difference that we as the church must understand in this day and time that we have the responsibility to train up the next generation because they are dying without Christ. And we have that responsibility. It is our role to take that on no matter how tired we are because there are eternal lives at stake. We need to be praising our children. We need to be fair-handed. We do not need to be showing favoritism. We need to keep our promises. If we say that we're going to be there for a t-ball game, you let your boss know, I have made a promise to my kid, and I'm going to keep my promise. And if for whatever reason you had to break that because of a commitment to work, you better suck up to that little kid of yours and take them out to McDonald's for a Happy Meal. Again, it doesn't take much. They want time. They want your time, mommies and daddies. It is imperative for parents to teach their children. Discipline is also imperative, but it's got to be done in love, not out of anger. If your children simply cower at your mere presence, especially dads, you've done something wrong. If you walk in the house, if you walk to their bedroom door and they shirk in fear 
If they flinch because of your mere presence, you've done something wrong and you need to change what you're doing. Those little boys and girls need you. They need your love. Now, discipline, it needs to happen. But I will tell you this. You cannot discipline your children if you are not disciplined yourself. Pressing on to the third and final point here. The same context of this mutual submission. We've talked about marital relationships. We've talked about filial relationships. And then the third and final one here is occupational relationships. Occupational relationships. Verses uh, in chapter 6, verses uh, 5 through 9. Get your Bibles out again. It says, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, and goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. In verse 9, and you masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So let me go ahead and say this right up front. There is no direct condemnation of uh, slavery that I can find in the scriptures. <clears throat> so I just want to go ahead and lay that out there. However, there is a specific text in the Old Testament coming from Exodus 21 that prohibits kidnapping people for the purpose of making them a slave. And then when we take a look at the history of our country and when we take a look around the world today, that is what we see is people being kidnapped and enslaved in that way. And in no way, shape, or form should we try to use verses like this that was written in that particular day and time to justify slavery in this day and time. In doing a little bit of research for the sermon, I found that there is anywhere from 150 to 165 countries, depending on what source you have, that says that their federal formal governments basically turn a blind eye to slavery affecting nearly 48 million people around the globe. 48 million people that are being bought and sold like chattel, that are being beaten, that are being abused. And this is a place where the church can certainly step in. You think about human trafficking, you think about forced labor, all of it's just a pitiful excuse for people to get rich. So how is it that we take this text on, talking about bond servants and masters, and what is the application for today? You can see up there on the screen that we talked about, as far as slaves, an application for today could be employees, and masters could be that as employers. So we're going to take a look at this as we go through here. Slavery at this particular point in time was accepted as an institution. You can even read the book of Philemon and it talks a little bit more about that. And if you come back tonight, we'll talk on that one as well. In the same way that he dealt with wives, in the same way he dealt with children, why would it be that Paul would state the obvious? Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters. Again, the something new is Jesus. The something new is Jesus. 
He was saying, don't just accept things the way that they are, but look at them in a new light. And he is talking to Christian slaves, and he's talking to Christian masters here. The relational emphasis is on Christ and being a witness for him. The application for today is, of course, for those of us that are employees, we can be a witness by doing good day's work at our job. The Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. put it this way, If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or as Beethoven composed music, or as Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Christians, brothers and sisters, if you are in the workforce today, can God say that about you wherever you at? Are you putting in a good day's work? Are you honestly doing the very best of your ability? Or are you just sort of cruising by at maybe 80, 85%? Are you slacking off when the boss looks away, but then when the boss peeks in, you look like you're just a busy little beaver going along? You do nothing but become a hypocrite when you do that. God wants us to be a witness for Him, whatever our slot in life, whatever our state may be. And in verse 8, I love it there. This is the, the reward. Not knowing whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is sleeve or free, or free. You see, there is a reward for those who serve Christ. And in the verse 9, talking about masters or employers, if you will, that application for today. There are some probably in a congregation of this size that are supervisors, were managers, we're, we're higher ranking or whatever the case may be in your particular area. We, as employers, must treat our people fairly. We must pay them a just wage. We need to have zero exploitation of our workers. There is a mutual respect that is called upon us as Christian bosses. And it must be lived out in our lives. So we've talked about... Marital relationships, whew, got through that one. Filial relationships of or pertaining to our children. And then this last thing of occupational relationships. In closing, <clears throat> I simply want to go back to verse 21, where it says, Subject yourselves to one another in the fear of the Lord. Mutual subjectivity. Mutual subjection. Mutual submission. Whatever terminology that you want to put on it. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we can make things so much better in the world around us, especially our immediate world, if we are all walking in the fear of the Lord. As you can see, God plays no favorites and neither should we. We are all equal at the feet of Jesus. Would you stand with me and bow in prayer?